I'm Matt Rogan, and this is the Playbook Podcast, where leaders from inside and outside sport share pragmatic advice for us for leading and managing through an era of real change in our industry. So it's two years now since we launched the Playbook, right in the eye of the pandemic storm. It's been a pretty wild ride for all of us. And hopefully, just hopefully, we're starting to come out from the dark. We started the playbook way back when to provide free pragmatic advice to leaders in the industry at a time where it felt like they really needed it. Throughout the last two years, we try to help as many people as we can with a number of really diverse subjects from managing your finances through to resetting your strategy when all around you is a bit chaotic, from managing a more diverse team to negotiating a way out of trouble. And for today's pod, I'm joined by Sports Pro Editorial Director Mike Long to explore the final part of the jigsaw, which launches this week, my CEO Playbook 22. Mike and I got together this week to reflect on two years of learning and share what's happening next with a few special and final Playbook pods still to come. With that, on with the show. Mr. Matt Rogan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Happy Good. Monday. Yeah, happy Monday to you too. How does it feel to be on the other side of the uh, the table here today, being interviewed as opposed to being the interviewer? Um, interesting, actually. A lot less worried about the technology going wrong. A lot less worried about my dog barking. <laughs> a lot less worried about him assaulting any Amazon deliveries or post people arriving. But So good, I think. Sure. Well, it's the, you know, it's the, the way of the world, isn't it? It's uh, working from home, remote podcasting, the joys that come with it, uh, yeah. the perils that come with it, as I well know. So let's go back then. Uh, here we are almost two years to the day since the UK entered its first lockdown. Let's have a quick recap and cast our minds back those two years, uh, March 2020, you know, and look back at why we launched the the playbook. Yeah, it's... Um... It feels on one level, it feels like two years ago. And on one level, it feels like about 20 years ago, doesn't it? Um, I, I guess, so why did we launch it? I guess you, myself and Nick had known each other for, for a long time through the, the Two Circles journey as well. And as we were entering that period uh, and simultaneously, I was stepping back from, from Two Circles, I felt like... I was getting more calls than I'd expected, not from people saying, oh, what's going on at Two Circles, but from uh, friends just saying, give us an hour, would you? I've got absolutely no idea how to manage my way through a balance sheet. Or if you were in my shoes, how would you handle this furlough thing? I think maybe just because I had a, a bit more time and we talked about their businesses and my business for, for 10 years previous, they, they just sort of picked up the phone. And I found myself thinking a couple of things. Well, firstly, well, they're my mates. So, so what about people who maybe don't have a mate to ask questions like that? So confronted with different business challenges for the first time or, or who just feel uneasy about, about ask, gently asking for help. Uh, and it caused me to think, well, you know, most of us in our, in our working worlds in the sports industry are still pretty self-taught. You know, maybe we've we kind of become more senior our organizations before the sports industry really woke up to the importance of, believe it or not, actually training its people. And so put those two things together and said, well, look, it's particular at the moment. It feels like there's quite a clear and present need for leaders in the sports industry to have somewhere to go to either ask for help or just just listen to how other people are navigating the same challenges. And it was with that in mind that, um, that the three of us got our heads together and thought, well, well, let's give it a, let's give it a rattle to try and provide some some of that kind of free pragmatic advice that my mates were looking for when they gave me a call. 
Mm. And so what were the first you know, pieces of the work that you were doing under that playbook banner for us? Obviously, there were four articles that we worked very closely on throughout 2020. Can you dig into a little bit about, you know, reflect on some of those and some of the, uh, you know, the, the themes and some of the people that you were speaking to? Yeah, so, so I guess we started with, we started with four articles, as you mentioned, and really it felt like what we were trying to do was just, in some ways, sort of helping the current, but also predicts maybe some of the things that, that leaders of sports organizations were going to have to wrestle with over uh, over the year to two years that followed. So we started off with with one called Brilliant Basics. That was basically just, just how do you keep the lights on through the course of this next three, four, five months. So that came out in sort of March time in 2020. And we went from there to, that was Brilliant Basics, sort of navigating the current. Then being brave in a new world was the next one. It was about preparing for a more uncertain future. So how do you create some, some flex in your business model? How do you, how you, do you manage that tension with your, your team in terms of being as open as you can, but also recognize you don't have some answers? I have all the answers. From there, we went to the world in 2022. So let's assume you bought yourself some time. Let's assume everyone across your organization is aware of the need to change and evolve rather than trying to plan for 2021, one of the things we did get right was that it was probably only worth planning for 2022. And that was about, okay, so, so what will the world, what might the world look like in 2022? Almost kind of predicting where we would, what it would look like today, if you like. And the final one was was delivering on the plan. So that was, okay, very well, you've got a nice document and everyone's aligned behind a nice strategy, but, but how do you actually make that happen and manage against that day to day? And so... It was kind of interesting reflecting back on it now as we stand in 2022. I promised myself after I wrote a book in 2010, um, I'd never again make predictions, but I seem to have done it. I think I've done okay this time, though. Yeah, yeah. let's dig into some of those predictions because, uh, you know, obviously, as you say, the initial shock to the system, riding out the storm, pre- preoccupied many people's minds and time in that initial phase. Uh, that third part of your you know, everyone was trying to buy buy themselves some time. That third part of your four article series in 2020, looking at the world in 2022, here we are now. Uh, you know, what, which of those predictions within within that article did you did you get right? And perhaps also, what did you not get so right? Yeah. So, um, so I guess there were there were four principal themes in that in that prediction. So there was one I think that was probably a very safe bet, and that was that. Uh, social purpose in the broadest sense uh, of organizations was going to become increasingly just BAU in terms of the way sports organizations had to operate and the diversity of the teams they needed to recruit and the inclusive process they went through to, to listen to people around the world and to their different voices. And yeah, I think that was quite a straightforward prediction to make. I think that the train was already running in that regard. Yeah, I was wandering around was wandering around London last week and, and I quite like wandering into Nike Town because I think it helps you get a bit of a finger on the pulse of some of the stuff that's going on in the sports industry. And you just walk in there and every single window of Nike Town is talking about the bespoke bra fitting service that's now provided on the ground floor of Nike Town. You walk in and there's a lot of visualizations of that and, and models to that point. And the first model you see is somebody in a wheelchair engaging with a playing basketball alongside another a load of able-bodied models also playing wheelchair basketball and i kind of thought well look, you know the it's clear and present and now um to the extent that nike town 
he's just reflecting the way the world is now. And so I feel like that one was a bit of a gimme and that one I, I got pretty right. In terms of one that uh, I think he's playing out maybe slightly later than, than we thought, but he's, we're now seeing between the eyes was the, the notion of margins in 2022 being really tight. You know, it, it's Charlotte Hignett talked in our in our last podcast around the need to address cost of living increases in pay rises and, and the, the nature of inflation. And when I talked to Andrew Zimbalist at, at Smith about some of the things he thought we might see in 2022, it's very clear that, you know, it's only so long that inflation increases can can be held back from driving interest rates and we're starting to see interest rates hiking now and all the implications potential implications that means for sports rights holders so one of the things we were suggesting in the playbook was you know recognize that interest rates are going to increase at some point in the next three to four years and and here we are one of the ones i think we're also starting to see again maybe slightly later than expected was just an increasing openness to fluidity of of commercial models I had I had no insider knowledge at the time at all, but it's interesting to see, for example, how someone like Two Circles business models emerged, sort of building out from the core proposition with acquiring TRM, archiving Livewire, so sponsorship becoming content production and data plays as much as it sort of the traditional preserve of sponsorship, and, and I think we'll see more and more of that, a lot of more fluidity and trade offs around different revenue lines, for example. So where does sponsorship? Membership that was the preserve of a ticketing team, for example, and a sports right holder back in the day, starting to blur with with, with sponsorship and blend branded content, and the way in which that means that different things go behind paywalls at different times, or maybe are given out free to air. That the whole it's one big emergent business model and interplay of seven or eight different revenue lines. I think you're seeing in, in all rights holders now. So I think we predicted that, but again, it's slightly later perhaps than I'd expected to see it. Yeah, you know, Spotify's relationship with Barcelona, I think, is going to change and evolve uh, in all sorts of different ways as as other brands come to the table to help rights holders become this media platform that they will believe they, they need to become next. And the, and the last one, which I think is probably slowest to come to bear, actually, we were talking about, uh, if you remember, a physical and digital fusion in terms of the way not only happened off the field of play, but also started to hif- happen on the field of play, driven by by the pandemic and everything having to go digital for a while there. I think we're starting to see it. So uh, Super League try, for example, the games coming up at, at uh, late April in um, in London are absolutely a blend of, of physical swimming with digital swifting. Uh, I think we'll see more and more of that. Um, and I think actually the Commonwealth Games' innovation and change will, will, will create some of that in the next cycle. So did we get the predictions right? I'd probably give us a, a pretty decent 8 out of 10, <laughs> I think. I'd say so, Matt. I'd say so. Um, and pretty spot, spot on with most of it, as you say. Um, so let's move the kind of conversation on slightly beyond 2020 into 2021. And what came next for yourself and for Playbook and our collaboration uh, here with Sportsbro? So so next up, we had some really nice feedback, actually, from, from people along the way of publishing those articles. So there was a lot of traffic and a lot of questions came out the back of them. Uh, but ultimately, they were written as a, as a narrative, which isn't easy in a in a sort of a news media platform type environment, as you all know. So, so we 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 pulled them all together, added another few bits in, and and sort of published them into into one congruent whole about this time last year, which we called the CEO Playbook. The idea of that was was there was a chance to to read from start to finish, from from panic hopefully to plan, 
and activating that plan. And I think I'm allowed to say that's actually the most downloaded sports pro publication ever from the site. So we, we clearly had hit a nerve and that's got to be one of the most rewarding bits of feedback I've had through the course of the last two years, really, having stepped back from two circles, which was the need that we'd sort of sensed was there and that people were valuing it, which was great. Um, so that was available. So it's still available in, in electronic download copy. And I think you can, you can even buy a physical copy on the Sports Pro site. And what we found coming out of that was the more you got feedback, of course, the more you get questions and what if this and what about that. And what we decided to do was kind of crowdsource the areas of that that have been perhaps people have found the most challenging or still had the most questions and take that into a more fluid sort of weekly format. And so it was about that point that terrified by the by the technology, Owen Connolly held my hand and um took me for <laughs> moving to the other side of the uh the mic actually and becoming the interviewer and inviting a wide range of people on to kind of share their views on specific subjects that the audience had told us they'd like to understand a little bit more about. Um, so over the course of the last year, recording those podcasts and then drawing out my own inferences and conclusions in terms of what I would do differently based on the, the conversation I'd had in, in an article that followed every podcast the following week. So that's kept, that's kept me and various people who've tried to wrestle with the technology out of trouble for the last year or so. <laughs> Absolutely. And and looking back on the last 52 weeks or so, you've certainly been a busy man and you've covered a lot of ground, a lot of wide ranging com- conversations with wide ranging uh, selection of guests. Uh, as you say, the CEO Playbook 2021 was hugely successful uh, from a downloads perspective. And, and then you shifted into this this weekly kind of uh, cadence with the with the content that you've been juice, uh, producing. We've ended up with this fantastic kind of body of work and this archive sat on the sportsbreakmedia.com website. So here we are today talking about the next iteration, the, the final iteration, if you like, of the, of the playbook and the CEO playbook, what I like to call internally volume two, uh, because it is a, it is a volume of, of work and hopefully a, a fantastic re- uh, reference point for people to dig into for, for years to come as well. Or certainly months to come, hopefully not years to come if we can uh, get through the, the current challenges. But so what's the purpose of this particular book? Um, Matt, you know, how, how does it work? What, it, what is it? Where can people find it? Yeah, the difficult second album, huh? Well, the um, so, so the notion of this is, um, as you say, we 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 had an awful lot of content and expertise we gathered through the course of the last uh, the last year. We talked to the newly minted um, Sports Journalists Association Broadcast Journalist of the Year, Dan Rohn, on managing relationships with the media. We talked to EY partners on financial management, all sorts of stuff, and and really felt like a blend of those pods and the articles a little bit like the article that the story in 2020 really like they're rich on their own but we thought there was a real benefit in in pulling together the sum of the parts and so what we've done is with the help of of your team is pulled together a bit of an interactive guide really so to pull together the the breadth of subjects that we've examined over the course of the last year into one i guess a kind of a how-to guide really for for CEOs and senior leaders in sport, not with sort of my view on the world, which is principally the focus last time around, but it's more a holistic view across some real experts in the industry as to how to handle various subjects. So if you download um, CEO Playbook 2022, then what you find is is we navigate through various different subjects that are 
that are that are really important to a senior leader in in sport today whether that's governance strategy leadership talent finance media and communications social responsibility the day-to-day performance management you know whatever it might be there's a section for you with links to all the all the podcasts that we've we've covered in that subject and also those summaries of things you can take out and actively maybe want to think about doing differently as a result of that expertise so from a from a sports perspective we go from epic games through to Wimbledon we go from Chelsea these different organizations as well so we, we talk to the director of sport at a, at a state school for example about managing talent so it's mostly sport a little sprinkling from outside and, and just again a free to download piece of content that we hope is going to be just as useful for people as, as the original CEO playbook version one the easy first album Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Um, so let's dig a little bit deeper into some of those themes. As you say, we we've distilled your your various conversations down into nine kind of core themes, core mm-hmm. categories. Everything from that, you know, the core competencies of a CEO, the governance, strategy, leadership side of things, to those broader considerations such as media and com- communication, social responsibility, etc. But let's dig a little bit deeper and hear it from you in terms of. Yeah, some of the themes, some of the things that shone through that stood out to you as you were having these conversations. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess hopefully it's a sign of a good book that every time you, you sort of stick your nose in it, um, something different leaps out at you. But I'm a Chelsea fan. And so at the moment, finance is, is pretty much front of mind for me as I think about the sports industry and how that evolves. So uh, we looked at finance from two different perspectives. So, you know, how do you handle the day to day? what's important now and Eva Garcia de la Fuente and Anna Felton from, from EY are very clear around sort of gave us really good tips and insight in terms of managing risk and managing risk in your cost base in particular one real theme that came with that and sat alongside the podcast with Charlotte as well is is good senior leaders using their support functions like finance like HR as anything other than support functions like being real strategic partners in in difficult times Beyond there, we moved into the, the sort of deal side of finances and had a really interesting conversation with Jonathan Perelman, who was kind of CEO and leader of, of ICM Stella at the time. He talked about the importance of, of, from a deal side, you know, trying to preempt the bumps that inevitably happen down the road and, and preparing yourself uh, for the worst in some ways in terms of what's the worst thing that could happen at this juncture and being very proactive in that regard. It's kind of funny, actually, if you look back, because his business was was clearly um, in the middle of a big negotiation as he talked to us, and his business was acquired by CAA pretty soon afterwards. And his take as well was, you know, you need to remember, and this really chimed with with my two circles time, like, completion is the end of the beginning. Complete the deal, and, and now is the time you've got to start running, not stop. The other thing that really struck me, I, I know I had a couple of um, people mention to me and that finance piece, they were really struck by um, what Ava from, from EY said, which is they work with far too many businesses where it's the CEO show. So the CEO desperate to leave from the front and, and demonstrate their capability to private equity or potential acquisition target or acquirer just disempowers the entire team and, and, and leads concern because they're so strong across every area that you never really get any insight into the rest of the team. Uh, and I've, I've seen that happen a few times, actually, and probably been guilty of that myself as well. So it was it was something that I know struck a chord at the time. So that was finance. Um, I guess what else is is front of mind? You, you know, 
at the moment, of course, change management is a is a pretty big theme as well. There's very few chief executives that aren't managing their way through pretty big change in their organizations at the moment on the back of the last two years we've had. I really like the candor of Peter Moore, who was a he was SVP at University Games, previously chief exec at Liverpool, just saying, you know, the reality of uh, and the candor with which it's important to talk to teams. So I think his line was like, this might not be for you, like this is going to be difficult. But it is what we're going to do. It's going to be choppy, but it'll be great at the end, I promise. So come with me. And I got into that in a little bit more detail with Alexandra Willis, uh, marketing comms director at the All England Club Wimbledon, um, although shortly to be at the Premier League. She and I explored the the change framework. I understand, I care, I can, and how to tr- create those three behaviours uh, in your team as part of that narrative that Peter's starting. So change management i think was a constant and those two were real favorites of my of my conversations i think alongside probably a, a mention for the andrea gaudenzi the chair at the atp tour who who talked about the stress of it all actually and, and the difficulty for a for a leader of navigating through those changing times and he talked about i mean the guy is a former pro athlete but he talked about the the importance of managing your own energy levels and exercise for him as a way to to sort of step back from the, the perils of the day-to-day. So to kick off with a couple of things, maybe there's this kind of managing your finance tight, managing deals very carefully, uh, and then through what comes out of that, the change management piece. Uh, probably a couple of, of favorites, I think, of what we've done so far, but by no means the only ones. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you say, it was a fascinating uh, series of conversations you have been having and certainly resonate with many people in the industry, not just uh, business leaders. I think there are little takeaways in all of the conversations you've had. And I know we'll, we'll come on to it because you, you, you literally uh, made a habit, I suppose, or a, a regular feature of your shows to, to distill the, the core message of all of your conversations down into 10 words or fewer, which I know was a, a challenge for a few, uh, a few of your guests. But certainly a lot of applicable, tangible insights, I think, uh, for, for a lot of people within the industry. Absolutely. So they, they were the kind of key themes, those nine themes that you, you touched upon there. Um, but obviously there were some hard kind of skills incorporated within all of this as well. And, and important, I guess, capabilities for any business leader, senior business leader to, to be able to implement in their own organization. So can you go into those a little bit as well beyond the themes? Yeah, sure. So, so I mean, um, it's funny. I had a had a fascinating conversation with Dan Roan about in the communication space around the skills of brevity, so being clear, concise, real, and pragmatic, and that's a real art. So you know he'll have to distill a really complex message often in forty five seconds on the BBC News, and um, it was interesting actually. When I interviewed Dan, he he did anything other than that. He probably struggled most with the ten word challenge, just because he for once he did, had the luxury of of not having somebody in his ear tell him to to sort of stick to time. But that notion of of the skill of of, of communication came back really very clearly. So that that I think would be one that really struck with me. Negotiation, I think, was a real hard skill. So Tim Green from the Gap Partnership was great in terms of saying, you know, his first message for negotiation is, you know, lose the ego here. If someone wins, both people lose. And so he, he gave us a lot of tactics under how to manage that. You'll find in the playbook, but but fundamentally, that mindset of you're not going to win this and getting your head around that. And what what traditionally has been quite a egotistical negotiation environment, I think, a lot of the time in in sport was a, was a big message generational shift came up consistently so ways in which you can best navigate 
different generations in, in, in your organization. I talked to, to um, John Bedman about that, who's a director of sport at, at state school, as I mentioned, and his line was just, listen before you talk. It's a fairly basic skill, but I've tried that uh, since actually with my kids, as much as anything, and it makes a massive difference. Just shut up. Just let them talk. Ask questions against their views as opposed to, in, as opposed to enforcing yours is, is actually uh, not always easy to do, but I've found be be really helpful. Other skills, some basics around recruitment, I thought, just to refer to that Charlotte Hignett interview again, she talked about something that uh, seemed to work really well for us at Two Circles, actually, that kind of notion of referral bonuses in recruitment. So, you know, asking somebody to, if you see somebody or you know somebody you think would also be great in this organization, then recommend they come along and we'll put a bonus in your paycheck. She said that's, you know, it's effective, but all it does is reinforce, of course, the the, the blend of, of backgrounds uh, that you have in your organization today. And if you have a challenge with diversity in your organization, then it can just reinforce the challenge. And there were, there were heaps of, of sort of little tips and tricks right the way across the piece. Um, Tracy Greaves at Goodwoods, uh, Chief Commercial Officer at Goodwoods, she talked about premium hospitality and premium experience. She said, you know, maybe 10 years ago, the premium experience was... Like if you were an Ascot or you were a Goodwood or you were anywhere or Formula One, you could, as long as the experience was consistently excellent, it could be pretty similar, pretty generic year on year. So that's not the case anymore. You need, it's, it's a much more discerning buyer. Uh, and therefore, you have to completely change the experience every year to, you know, and the, and the bar increases in terms of quality that's required and something like that. But I could, I could go on forever, but... Those pieces, I, th- I think, were, were fundamental. Maybe two I'd, I'd stick alongside those. So firstly, we had some great feedback on Louise Johnson, who's the, the EMEA CEO of Fuse, and the way in which she manages day-to-day performance through her team, but the structures and the meetings and things she, she creates to create clarity, but also real focus around the objectives of her agency got, got some great feedback. And finally... Maybe uh, to conclude the answer with a really early pod with a, a guy who's, who's called Paul Brown, who founded Bowl Foods. Maybe some people hadn't heard of back in the day when, when we did the pod, but it's hard to escape them now. They're everywhere in, in, in most UK cities in terms of their sort of plant-based food and ready meals and snacks and stuff. And Paul just talks about the need to engage your whole supply chain in where your organization's going, which I thought was uh, in hindsight, obvious, but I'd never really thought about before in the way that he described it. So he talked about, for example, taking chili drinks bottles out, just filled with ice and filled with water and gifting them to people who were picking the vegetables in the field. And I saw it was a lovely image and a real reflection of, of kind of bringing your whole organization and its stakeholders with you. I could go on for hours. There's a whole day's worth of this <laughs> stuff, on, but um, there's a few. Sure. Well, let's stick to Dan Rowan's advice and, and keep it brief then in that case and, uh, and let our listeners uh, get into the whole, the back catalogue that we you've kindly put together for them. But no, I think that, that anecdote there that you, you mentioned about Paul Brown really is emblematic really of the conversations you've been having and, you know, the stories that some of your guests have, have been telling as part of their podcast. And so just to uh, round off this, uh, the, our conversation today, but also to have a look back at the, uh, you know, a way of celebrating and, 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 remembering some of the conversations that you've been having let's fire off some end of season awards uh, to you and then you can you can dish them out as you please uh, to your various guests so first and foremost uh, the most surprising oh okay so 
one of the stories I liked most, it's surprisingly not sure, one of the stories I liked most was Alex Willis told a story about, <laughs> she was very, very focused on uh, clarifying it wasn't a jolly, but the whole Wimbledon team going out and, and being walked around Harry Potter world to get a sense of what was going on underneath Harry Potter world. And she just told a lovely story of the way that through really understanding how people walk through their environments, they discovered that the most important thing to do in the shop was actually put the the descriptions of what each item was at three foot tall because that's how tall their guests are. It was a really simple story, but I thought that is both really surprising and also deeply impressive. I don't think she, I don't quite give that award though. I think it probably the thing that surprised me most actually was um, was probably Sonny Pett from Black Trail Runners. When we talked to him, he told a story about how a few race organizers had said, we really support what you're doing. You can have a few token race entries. We're not going to really change what we do particularly, but have you got any shots of, of black people trail running? Because we'll use them. And that just seemed so cloth-eared and so misunderstanding the fundamental problem here and failing to embrace it at a root and branch level that that was both scary, disappointing, and probably the most surprising in not the best of ways. Mm. Yeah, the same, same for me, actually. That was one of the immediate reactions for me. I was very taken aback there. It's yeah. kind of surprising, but but also not surprising, having been oh, to yes, tra- yeah. you know, trail running races and it yeah, confirmed that. But, okay. I, should, um, I should say, actually, that if anyone was, was also taken by that interview, and I know quite a few people were, their black trail runners have recently announced their first race. So you can go out and, you know, wherever your background and whatever your, your sort of ethnic background, you can, you can go and take part and support what they're doing. I think it's in, in, uh, end of, end of September. So have a look if you, if you fancy coming out, maybe you and I should go and do it, Mike. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next category, Matt, uh, best feedback that you've uh, received for one of your. Okay. Shows. So Dan Roan pod for sure. I think had a real impact, particularly told a story about uh, how the LTA had engaged with him after Raducanu won Wimbledon and had been really upfront saying, look, we don't have all the answers, but if you'd like to know a little bit more about some of the stuff we're doing to, to try and improve, because we're not the finished object yet, give us a shout. So just thought he and it was really impressive. And I like the way Dan told the story and clearly a lot of other people did. I think Gareth and I having a, a deeply indulgent reminisce went down pretty well. Some nice feedback there. I think the the data on the number of listeners and things for that was pretty strong. Louise Johnson, I've already mentioned from Fuse, went down very well. But but actually, probably John Deadman at Dr. Chandler's. Bless him. We um, had somebody, I wanted to talk about talent, and I plugged beforehand we were going to have a talent conversation. Somebody had, um, who shall remain nameless, pulled out quite last minute. And so I called John. I got to know him over two or three years previously and said, look, do us a favor, will you? I know you don't really like doing this stuff and haven't done much of it. And the most biggest audience you've spoken to is probably a school assembly, but trust me, it'll be all right. And and the feedback for, from John's was, was great. And actually, it's become a bit niche in the um uh in the sports teacher community in this country. Actually, that one's that one's gone far and wide. It's not quite the viral hit that Nick had with uh, the Manchester United Phil Lunch pod, but um yeah, it's uh, it's gone down pretty well. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Next award, uh, the one we are calling the I Never Knew That Award. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I know. Uh, did you know that the Chief Commercial Officer of Goodwood, Tracy Greaves, that role also means she's in charge of an organic farm? 
I did not know that, Matt. I've had several conversations with her about customer recruitment, the role of programmatic, different experiences, running different P&Ls, but I had no idea she was a farmer on the quiet. Interesting. Fascinating. Okay. The Multiple Listens Award. Ah. Uh, so, so as a caveat to this one, which was, um, I'd be guessing because anyone else who's involved with podcasts will know the data that comes out of them is frustratingly rubbish. Um, I know I've had a couple of people say to me that, that it's John Dowson. So John's chair of the English Institute of Sport and his podcast around the role of the chief executive versus the role of an exec chair versus non-exec chair versus what should the board be doing. It's pretty niche, admittedly, but I know several people who've, who've used that as a, as a bit of a prompt to start thinking about how they restructure their own governance. It's probably that one. Okay. And, and finally, the Heart Overhead Award. Well, that's difficult. That's difficult because sports sort of everything for me is sort of passion. It's principally the means by which I hand down parental <laughs> lessons and uh, and it's as my job as well. Um, probably the very last podcast we recorded, actually, which is um, with Heatley Texo, if you haven't had a chance to listen. And it was a bit of a, a, bit of a gulp moment when he talked about his business, HPV Studios, which is effectively a, a production a production business based in Dublin. Uh, he, he was running the production for a, an Irish international cricket match um, where, so in charge of everything, almost producing the show at the point where his son came out for his Ireland debut. And he, t- he tells, he's an Irishman, he tells the story far better than I possibly could. But yeah, I still struggle to think what that must have been like for him. Well, Matt, I think the final award goes to you for being able to shoehorn in a mention of every one of your guests, quite possibly throughout this, yeah, you, this conversation we've been having. I, de- I definitely haven't managed it, so I apologise <laughs> to anyone who didn't quite make the cut. No, it, it's top work anyway. So so where does the playbook go next from here? As you say, Heatley was the, the final episode, uh, or almost the final episode anyway, but looking ahead, where, where do we take this next? So... Now, you and I have talked a lot about this with Nick as well, you know, in terms of um, where the playbook should go next. And our sense was um, like these last two years was a really unique time and we've covered a lot of ground. I think we're collectively really proud of, of what we've put out there and hopefully it exists. You know, I, I reread the CEO playbook version one last week and, and yeah, it really stands up still as something that would continue to be a value for the industry. And, I guess our sense was probably we've covered most of the things that that today exist on a CEO to do list. We've created a bit of a, a thought from me as to how you can manage things forward, and then the thoughts of some real gurus around our industry and outside. So we're going to hang it up on the playbook and turn and leave it there as a hopefully a contribution from myself and from Sports Pro for the foreseeable future is somewhere that anyone can come download whatever they need listen to whatever they need and that will continue to be on the sports pro site forever and a day beyond the um beyond the pods it's about fifty thousand words in total and a day's worth of audio so you know we, we you can keep yourself busy if it's if it's your thing so what we're going to do um we don't want to finish with you and i might rattling on at each other over a dodgy virtual connection we want to finish and go out in style so uh, at Sports Pro Live, which is the 26th and 27th of April at uh, the Oval in London, 
Uh, we're going to have a face-to-face session to, to finish things off. So there'll be a panel conversation between myself, uh, Steve Elworthy, who's the Chief Executive of, of Surrey County Cricket Club in the Oval, uh, Vicky Gosling, who's Chief Exec of British Ski and Snowboards, and Ben Morell, the Chief Exec of the Six Nations. And the working title for that is Challenge and Change, the role of the CEO in 2022. I've been lucky to be able to look in people's eyes, albeit virtualized most of the time when I've been doing these pods. And we just get, want to give everyone the chance to, to give a bit of a sense of where the industry is going, ask some questions and, and close out the playbook in style. So that felt a really nice way to do it. And if you're really nice to, to Mike and Nick, there might be some, some hard copies of their CEO playbook uh, version two for 2022 there as well. Absolutely, there will be. And just a reminder for for listeners, as Matt's saying, you know, we've got this repository now uh, of of you know absolute wealth of content sat on sportspromedia.com slash playbook. So please do head there to check all of that out. And as as Matt says, hope to see as many of you as possible at Sportspro Live, twenty uh, sixth and twenty seventh of April at the Oval in London. Well, Matt. I guess uh, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to say, firstly, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure working with you, collaborating with you for a couple of years, and I'm sure we'll continue to work with you in various ways moving forward. Um, beyond for sure, we're just, we're just knocking the playbook on the head. Exactly, exactly. And, of course, the last thing to draw a line under this is to is to put the spotlight on you, Matt, and to get your 10 words or fewer, your your core messages from not just this this uh, um, this particular episode of the Playbook podcast, but, uh, you know, how, how do you sum up almost 30 episodes in 10 words or fewer, Matt? You are never the finished object, so don't stand still. Nicely done. And on that bombshell. <laughs> and on that bombshell. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, thank you very much again. And uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. All right. So, it's Mike, thanks ever so much for swapping sides with me for today. I think that wraps it up for our virtual playbook pods. 30-odd, uh, best part of a, of a day's worth of listening. I wouldn't do it all in once, but you can discern what to do in what order at sportspromedia.com slash playbook. And we'll see you at the Oval. Cheers. The Playbook podcast is published by SportsPro and is part of a wider series delivering agenda-free, pragmatic advice on how to navigate your organisation through change. To explore the library and find out about the Playbook Labs residential executive training program, head to sportspromedia.com slash playbook.